That thing where you have to lie to her quickly. Here's your treats. No, here's my treats. Yeah. Now here's no. your treats. It, it's, a, it's a zipper baggie. That means it's mine. Well, yeah. the guinea pigs, if they hear plastic crinkle at all, they think it's food. So, yeah. Is, is Frazier afraid of the crinkle bag? No, no, he thinks it's food. It's like the only thing in the world he's not afraid of. <laughs> Welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that to understand, you have to know, there was this one time, we was nowhere. This featureless void of pure, well, it wasn't whiteness. It was this gray that is not a real gray. It's like if you let something white fade for a long time. It was like beige if beige wasn't a carpet. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no that beige. Yeah, Vanta beige. Yeah, that, that's the one. <laughs> this being different than the other times we have been in a variety of other Technicolor voids, but not the Technicolor void. We're we're not allowed in there. They anymore. don't let us play at the Technicolor void no more. <laughs> it's it's a shame, really. You could film the entire thing on Kodak. It would. This was, of course, because we'd been told to leave everybody alone. This is something people tell us often, but we felt like listening. So we found the most alone place there could be. The place that we usually go when we're told, no, you, get out. (laughs) We have to maintain a certain distance from other respectable human beings and irrespectable human beings, irrespective of their respectability. And so it was that we wrote our third album again (laughs) for possibly the third, maybe fourth, even fifth time. It's all a question of how many drummers we have available within the void. The void where the drummers go is not pleasant to be in. No, it's it's surprisingly hot and full of people with spears and and they are not friendly sort. Great music. Not friendly. I mean, for you know, people will call them idiot flautists, but I think they're rather clever. No, I think they actually have a pretty good tune going on. The the screams dwarf it at times, but at other times they quiet down, presumably because the lungs burst. And and then and then we get a delightful sound. I'm Scott. I'm Jim. Fuck my life, I'm Sam. And Chrissy has gotta get food. Yep. Chrissy will Jeff return. Is late as always. Also food yeah. related. Yeah. Dan's at work? Yeah, Dan, Dan works on Saturdays, I guess. Despite the distance? Well, no, it's America. It's they're going to be open yeah. by Easter, so so everybody's just got to get ready, right? It's, it's not know, like I, I they're think, number one, so. Yeah, Ooh, I, USA! I think USA. we all agreed that, you know, that the mayor from Jaws, Jarks, the mayor from Jaws gifs would be, you know, appropriate to bust out by now. Yeah, well, I am not the mayor <laughs> from Jaws. <laughs> oh, Andy Garcia, you are a criminally underrated actor. I know, right? Also, <laughs> like, I want to know about that from the movie. Nothing yeah. else. Just like, is this a thing that goes on? So you've been accused of being the mayor from Jaws before. I, if you are the mayor of New York, I feel like that is actually a problem that comes with the job 
Like, it's got nothing to do specifically with shark attacks. It's just, it's like, no, no, you are ignoring a categoric problem in your town in favor of some other menial issue. So we're going to compare you to the mayor of Jaws. Like, there's probably a chart somewhere among municipalities where they just kind of move up and down which mayor is closest to the mayor from Jaws. Or, no, or is it like fictional mayors where it's like, you know, um, how bad are you? How bad are you at responding to crisis? It's like, you know, boss hog to mayor from Jaws. Yeah. I want you know, this list did you just real. rename the city and hope that would keep the serial killer in a hockey mask at bay? Was that your plan? Like, Hold on, we got to move the town 200 feet over. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Quimby. <laughs> yeah, it's like Quimby to mayor from Jaws. <laughs> yeah. Like, how incompetent are you? All right, so we are going to skip pick of the week because this is kind of just a giant pick episode. Um, We're we're on lockdown right now, and so I think everyone has run out of the things they were planning to go through. Not that we don't, not that there's not a huge backlog culture in video games and books, but like, no, like we've cleared out the immediate things you want to do, and we're just going to throw ideas at things like, hey, have you tried this one out? Down. Similar to our old end of year episodes that always took too long. <laughs> we got well, the time. It it wouldn't be us if we didn't go over time religiously, right? Well, we don't have a time, but still. <laughs> that means we can work harder to go over time this time. All right. So, Sam, what's your challenge for ourselves? Why do I always have to go first? Because you're right here. He keeps slapping my leg. It's inappropriate. <laughs> So long as he's not patting the inside of your thigh as a sign of platonic appreciation, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my first sort of pick is something I've been playing the last two days. I've been playing Telling Lies, which is the new Sam Barlow game. Um, unlike her story, which is focused on one immediate character who ends up actually being two people, this one looks at four different protagonists. Uh, all interconnected by one person uh, who is played by Logan Marshall Green from the OC fame. He was Trey Trey Atwood, bitches. Still a douchebag. But the game focuses on a nonlinear narrative where you are an FBI agent and you're trying to figure out what uh, Logan Marshall Green's character kind of has done to these three different women. You sort of piece together that one of them he was married to, um, but he actually killed the woman's ex-boyfriend and she was an accomplice for it in another scenario he's an eco-terrorist trying to date the lead eco-terrorist lady and in another scenario he's stalking a prostitute to figure out a sort of what her play is in terms of why she's being stalked by the fbi but also why uh what her involvement is with the eco-terrorist group and the stories kind of converge together but it's basically you're using keywords to kind of piece it all together and figure out, like, what the hell did he do? And so far, like, I've gotten to different bits of it. And David's a very angry person. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, like, he's got no morals, no nothing. And yet, again, he's that kind of male slime ball that women are attracted to where it's like, oh, he's super confident. Oh, he's, you know, he's a go-getter. He knows what he wants. And then two minutes later, just like, oh, fuck, he is the scariest individual ever. Run away. And you can't at that point. Um, so yeah, if you haven't played any of Sam Barlow's games, 
highly recommend uh, her story to start because it's just such a fantastic game. And I feel like Telling Lies is kind of on the same uh, on the same spectrum of just really awesome, but really fucking scary at the same time. Scott. Okay, so I'm going to recommend uh, the new Night Vale novel. Uh, Night Vale in general is great. If you haven't listened to it, I think it's coming up on 200 episodes of podcasts now. Uh, it's a fun little fake radio show from a town where all the conspiracies are true and everything is weird. And a five-headed dragon can run for mayor despite being a convicted murderer. Tesla Jack. Well, you know, it's... It's unfair to hold that against it. Because, I mean, how many of those heads actually premeditated the crime? I think it's just red and gold that really did it. Exactly. That's not even, that is two-fifths. You can't hold, you can't hold the whole unit comparable for two-fifths. That's 40%. This is a democracy, goddammit. But the other three are, you know, accomplices by virtue of, Having been there and not reported him to the sheriff's secret police. Yeah, but if they're not, if they're not actively kind of going along, if they're more dragged into it, it's not a conspiracy. <laughs> I guess that's why they let Purple head out. Yeah, see? See? All right. Uh, but the new Night Vale novel focuses on uh, not Hiram McDaniel's literal five-headed dragon and former male Earl candidate, but the faceless old woman that secretly lives in your home. And former mayoral candidate. Uh, the audiobook version is read by Mara Wilson. It is the backstory of the faceless old woman who secretly lives in your home. Popular recurring character. And her relationship, not just with her past, but also Craig, the guy she messes with the most. <coughs> now, so long as she's paying rent, then she's perfectly welcome to live wherever she wants. She doesn't pay rent, and she lives in all homes simultaneously. Then that either means she really desperately needs to pay rent, or it's just split over the lot of them, and as a result is such a small value that nobody notices. I mean, she does rearrange all, rearrange all your stuff for you. And see, that's, that's a contributing effect. It's the same as the spiders that used to live in my house. They killed the wasps. They're allowed to stay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and not to mention that there's all these uh, places that are... Well, I guess mortgages are being deferred right now. There's all these talks of rent strikes. So if anyone was going to try to get the faceless old woman to pay rent right now, she could just be like, no, I'm not. That's fair. Good. What are they going to do? Evict her? She exactly. probably lives in abandoned homes, too. That's got to make rearranging a real problem. You just move the cobwebs around? like, Or all the detritus from the teenagers who have been squatting in there? Oh, yeah. All the dust. And you know they don't after themselves they're teenagers all right jim what you got doom 64 <laughs> not the new one not not no. new doom which is also fun yeah no i because i don't have the money for the new video games but doom 64 showed up on steam for 650 in canada and five bucks if you are you know if you are in the greatest country in the world, because I am totally going to rip on them for this, because for look some at their reason, numbers it's right now. $400 in Australia, because... That is... Well, that, what? That's just, you know, video games in Australia cost too much. Yeah, they do. That's fair. But, no, so 
I never played Doom 64 back in the day because I hate the N64 controller and kind of the N64 in general, but mostly that absolute monster of a controller. So never bought an N64, never played it. It comes out on PC and I'm like, I will, I I could go for some more Doom because more Doom is more better. And picked it up and it's not bad. It's, it is really like, you can kind of see that Romero and Carmack came back for this one because it's like, oh, look, there's design elements, just smack of John Romero. And here's those stupid crusher ceilings in the second level. And the only way to know to dodge them is to look for the light panel because Carmack is sitting there going, no, 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 no. I built a completely new lighting engine. You will appreciate it or you will die. This was, uh, but, this, the, the Doom 64 was a pre-order bonus for everyone who bought New Doom. So I yeah. have it. <laughs> I have yeah, not cracked it because I'm playing New Doom. Which is fair. But no, it's it's suitably doomy. I'm running it. What's weird is it's only got four difficulties instead of five. I, it, I, fifth one may have been unlockable because, you know, consoles were all about unlockables back in the day. Fair. So it's perfectly feasible that Nightmare is going to show up in there. But I also think it might have been a cartridge limitation because that's why they didn't actually put in arc vials because the cartridge couldn't handle the idea of tracking all those jibs and resurrecting them. And I mean, you take out Nightmare, you take out the ability for the game to just respawn mobs, though it does like to teleport mobs in. Learned that in even simpler about an hour ago, because that's just a pain in my ass. But no, it's it feels old school Doom. It is a lot of run. It is a lot of gun. It is actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, Chris, Chrissy, what do you got? Because you're uh, last on the list right now. So I've got uh, Acorn TV. They extended their streaming, uh, sorry, their free trial to 30 days. So, you know, because I'm like, how come I have to pay for so many streaming services? And like, in case you've reached the end of Netflix, Acorn TV, all like the British stuff you could want ever. Um, they've got, I haven't started watching it yet, but they have the, the going postal um, it's like a two episode yeah. oh, the, TV adaptation. Oh, that was so good. The Sky, yeah, the Sky TV P- Pratchett series is. Yeah. yeah, that one was really good. Uh, so I'm like, Hogfather's still the winner for me. I know, but it's Hogfather. Like, how? How can you like do anything past that surpasses Hogfather? You do the Hogfather TV adaptation two years early, so Christopher Lee cannot be dead and play death again. Yeah. Fair. We could wire him up to a car battery. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> no one can prove Christopher Lee isn't a Dracula. Yeah, like seriously, he's he's been killed enough on film that I don't believe he is necessarily dead. Fair. Well, that's true. Very true. Or maybe it's like in Men in Black where he's not dead. He just went back to his home planet. Also a possibility. And then, like, just you don't have to come back, Christopher Lee. Like, you could just like video conference with us. You can <laughs> keep your physical distancing on. But like, please help us out. Hold on. Yeah, we could use the entertainment right now. Yeah. Remember, yeah that, remember that time Peter Jackson was telling him how to gurgle like he's been stabbed in the back, and Christopher Lee's just like 
Trust me, I know exactly what a what a man sounds like when he's been stabbed in the back. It's like, who the hell do you think I am? Uh. Oh, but yeah, Acorn also has a bunch of Australian-based shows on it, too. Yeah. So you can, like, get your Aussie on. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty rad. It's nice to have a new, something new to explore. I'm just like, yeah, so that's exciting. And they have the, the new Miss, uh, the Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries movie on that just came on this week, which I'm really jazzed for. So you need to watch Please Like Me, Chrissy. It's the greatest Aussie show ever. You know what I need to watch, Sam? And you need to watch it with me. Yes. <laughs> Terrace House. This is also true. I need to catch up on Terrace House. Yes, you do. So much Terrace House. Terrace House is Japanese uh, real world, but incredibly Japanese about it. People are surprisingly nice to each other. The the new season has actually had some real fights, which is kind of intense. See, the the one season that I really want to watch is the initial one that was only um, in Japan. Because that was before they realized like that there was an inter- there was well, there was no international audience. So they were just being very Japanese about everything. Whereas now in the, the newer series, you've got like people plotting stupid things like the socks. Sock socks to pe- yeah, sock gate. You've got like Meat all gate. this other stuff. And then you've got like the whole like fake not a romance between the the chef and the high school idol yeah. that turned out to be a romance and it was just like ew uh, so like they know now that people are watching internationally and they're putting in more of the north american reality garbage planning and look, i'm like look, no the only thing that we need to be sad about is that pepe is the sweetest thing in the whole world and he wanted to date the grossest girl of all of them my heart weeps for Pepe. I just, I'm just like, yo, I just want to see people like having honest conversations around the table and making food for each other and going on really sweet dates. <laughs> That's why I watched Terrace House. It's not true. for Saltgate, not for any of that other crap. The wholesomeness. I want the wholesomeness. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't move ratings. Did in Japan, weirdly enough. <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's because Japan is Japan. Look, they have a whole, I don't, it's not even a genre. It's a category of TV where every network has at least two shows where they just send a stand-up comedian to do things you're supposed to do as a tourist in Japan. Like, like, oh, we're, we're, we're going to send this random funny person who's probably not all that funny uh, to you know, Kyoto, and they're going to walk through the bamboo forest, and they're, they're going to go see the traditional crane fishing. And then, you know, they eat, and they photograph the food like it's porn. You know what was great? I miss James May's Man Complete in Japan. Complete with, like, the steamed lens and everything? Oh, Probably. well, yeah, you gotta have the steam lens for hot food, man. Oh, for God's sake. And they make sure the food's extra glisteny. No. Oh. Not as, it's not as good as James May being in Japan. That was still the best thing ever. Well, yes, but that's that's by and large because of his sidekicks. <laughs> and also because, like, he is oh. hilariously awkward. Queer Eye in Japan was was sweet, too. But there was also, like, some of the advice they got. I was like, no, yeah. no, you don't do that in Japan. It's like, that is, that is not an okay thing. 
like hugging someone you've met for the first time. No. no. It's not a thing you do. Oh, I'm sure it'll work out fine. Yeah, it's going to be great. Especially if it's your new boss. <laughs> if you're new boss and you're a salary man, be sure to just go right in and be like, nah, boss, I'm a hugger. Bring it in. Come on. Come on. And and then when you go to look for a new job, you'll know not to do that. <laughs> All right. Is it my turn again? Yes. Um, so my next thing I want to recommend, if you have a Comixology account or if you have a Hoopla account, check out the Avant Guards. I believe it's by Carrie, Carrie Yulslin. Uh, who also wrote the Heavy Vinyl series. Uh, this is published by Boom, and it focuses on a group of girls who go to a art school and decide that they want to have a basketball team. And it's just like the most wholesome and sweet thing you'll ever read, especially given um, like a lot of the characters are very... Um, they're very kind to each other. And once you're starting to get their backstories, you sort of understand where a lot of them are coming from. Very friendship heavy. Um, very queer. The queer is very, like, there's a nice sense of uh, normalcy in it as well, just for that element. Uh, Jay, for example, is non-binary. Jay dates a woman. And, like, they just have the cutest relationship. And I just want to read more. And there's no more right now. And I'm sad. So, yeah. Avant-garde. Basketball. Wholesomeness. Liberal Arts College. They'll never amount to anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're a shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> How many liberal arts degrees do we have on air right now? Three and a half. Yeah. Well, would you count um, Bachelor of Education as a liberal arts degree? No, Ed's its own thing. Sweet. Then we have two non-liberal arts. I I technically have one liberal arts and then a not liberal arts. Yeah, and I have two. Huh. So Scott's math is sound. Yeah, Scott's math is sound. Okay. All right. Uh, is it back to me? Yes, it is. All right, so I'm going to recommend uh, Chio's School Road. This is a 12-episode anime. So far, I think they're coming back next year with more. And it is about a high school girl who spends too much time playing video games just trying to get to school. And every day, there is some sort of mishap where she, like, knocks over a uh, biker punk's motorcycle and then has to pretend to be way more hardcore than him to get him to leave her alone. Or... Uh, she decides that the safest way to get to school when she's late is to do like Assassin's Creed and parkour from roof to roof to hop over the fence. No. Yes. Except she's actually good at it. <laughs> Are there just hay bales set indiscriminately? No. Uh, she does a landing on a jerk-ass salaryman. That, that's, <laughs> that, that it, you know, the thing where you can't, you know, find a hay bale to land on, but you can land as... Find a civilian to stab in the face with the uh, drop down kill instead. That continues to be terrifying. <laughs> yes, that that is definitely getting added to my the top of my to watch list. Sounds amazing. She befriends like this biker guy, and he's ridiculous. And you know, there's you know some deranged lesbians stalking her. Hey Scott, what is it right now with cute anime and video games kind of being a part of it? Because we're getting more high score girl and just 
Like clearly, I need to watch the show too. We we but. are now at the age where uh, we are, we are now at the point where everyone who grew up with video games can draw their own manga as opposed to being assistants on other people's. Fair enough. Also, watch High Score Girl. It's fantastic. All right, Jip. Uh, so we found a series on Netflix that is functionally there are three of them up. They are all different kinds of ridiculous. Well, four, actually, four. Uh, so there is 72 Dangerous Places to Live, which I'm going to spoil right now. Um, they randomly throw in space. Space. You well, know, space is, space is perhaps the most dangerous place say. to live. It is Except not for ranked Florida. number one. It Except is not for Florida. number one. Neither is Florida. Wow, but they really are underestimating one? Florida. Oh, yeah, no, I know. I know. But... And I don't remember what got number one because I'm like, you put space in here and then said it isn't the most dangerous place to live. And it is. Because the moment you remove the spacesuit and the ISS, you're dust. We, so we all know how off. dead space went. It wasn't but, great. <laughs> so there's that. Um, there is 72 most dangerous animals in Latin America and 72 most dangerous animals in Asia. And those were pretty neat because it's really fucking metal. Like, they just get, like, the hard guitar riffs going in right at the beginning, and they try and make everything sound fucking hardcore, including shit like capybaras, <laughs> which show up in the Latin America one. And it's like, guys, guys, it, it's, it's a happened. giant guinea pig. What the fuck are you doing? He and interestingly, because the other one outside for the animals, because you got those two, and then you've got the 72 cutest animals, and there was a lot of overlap between the most dangerous animal series and the cutest animals because <laughs> sloths are on both and capybaras are on both and monkeys of varying sort are on both. Like we watched an episode that talked about how dangerous macaques are and then a cutest episode that immediately talked about macaques. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Cute but deadly. Hell of a Venn diagram you got going on here, guys. But these have been a hoot, except for except for the most dangerous places to live one, because the narrator will just throw R's into words, and I don't know why. He says sewage, like sewage, sewerage, and he says it every time, and I don't know why, and it fills me with a kind of rage, because it's like, how did you get this fucking job if you don't know basic words? What the fuck? But in general, no, they're they're a hoot to watch. They're good dinner viewing. And and they are all kinds of ridiculous. They do a they do a really good and really bad job of building up fear because they'll talk about a disease that's like, yeah, this this mosquito carries a necrotizing disease that will kill you pretty instantly. Then they'll deflate that with a shitty pun and go on to something else without really describing what the disease does beyond it's a necrotizing disease. Oh, I enjoyed it. Chrissy, what you got? Um, Yes, I've got food. No, I'm trying to, I'm like, I want to know what they think the most dangerous place to live is. And I'm trying to find it. (laughs) (laughs) It, Well, if you've got Netflix up, it's the sixth episode. Within about the last 10 minutes, you'll find it. Okay. Um, Shoot, for the life of me, I don't remember. Okay, well, I'm when other people are talking, I am going to go <laughs> and I'm going to find this because I need to know what the most dangerous place to live is. Um, but other than that, uh, 
So I've been using uh, Hoopla a lot to get graphic novels to read, uh, even though I managed to get like a huge stack of books from the library before they closed. I'm like, I need all the graphic novels. Um, and I read uh, George Takei's They Called Us Enemy, which is a graphic memoir about um, his childhood experiences in uh, the Japanese internment camps with his family. And uh, like there is a lot, a lot of it is based on a TED talk that he did. But there's a lot, what I liked is that it's not just a straight memoir of like, and it's not linear in the sense, like, you don't go from, like, when he's little and then, oh, no, like, Pearl Harbor happened. Like, it jumps back and forth. And one of the constant themes is uh, him sitting at the table with his father after they've um, been released, like, after they leave the internment camp and George is a teenager. And they're actually talking about the experience. And... um because like uh, George's father ended up being one of the um, representatives for their block. So he was um, trying to make sure that everybody had what they needed, uh, speaking with the government officials on their behalf. And like George is kind of like, well, why were you going along with this? And then like looking into like his parents ended up becoming double nose. So when there was the the survey that came out um, and they had to uh, give up their Japanese citizenship and basically pledge allegiance to the United States and renounce the emperor. And both of his parents were like, no, like we can't, we can't agree to that. Um, and then it also uh, ties in with the uh, the camps that were set up for um, people trying to get across the U.S. border from Mexico and like drawing parallels between that, um, and I just thought like it was the it was a really impactful graphic novel. Like I had a hard time putting it down once I started reading it. So that's something I definitely recommend people look into. So before quarantine started, I had taken out from my work uh uzumaki by junji ito and then have since finished it and i've had many nightmares with some of the stories in there but uzumaki is about deadly spirals and how it haunts this one town and my god i i read a lot of comics like growing up but junji ito was kind of an interesting case because my library had them and they were just done in like smaller parts so i never got to finish uzumaki um so it was funny because I was having a conversation with Jim about how there's this one particular um, section where it's about a bunch of women who are pregnant. And then there is these deadly mosquitoes that are basically sucking the blood out of different patients. And then all the women are sucking the blood of all the different patients. And then they create these spiralized like mushroom babies. And it is just the most fucking disturbing thing ever and i think i had nightmares for days because of that one and i would argue i think that that's actually the, the scariest one in the comic but there's a lot of people getting turned into turtles and snails and um the kid that dies and is reborn as a spring yeah there was that kid there's the couple that um basically get turned into spiral tentacles and like the last scene of them is like kissing with these giant long tongues as they're like clearly being choked back. 
So like the art is amazing in it, but it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Like now I'm at the stage where it's like, well, damn it. Now I want to reread Tommy. Because I know Tommy's going to freak me the fuck out again. And I want to read Gyo because I've never actually read Gyo. So I still love me some Uncle Junji. And like, I need to yell at my work to get the rest of these. I also want to play World of Horror, which is apparently a uh, a video game that's based off of, or rather it's inspired by Junji Ito's comics. Yeah, it's, like, it's a wizardry clone that is it looks based so on good. mostly Ito and a little Howard, you know. Yeah, because it's definitely surprise. got some HP and yeah. some Junji. Like the art style well, looks it, more Junji Ito. Well, Junji and HP do do go together. They can be friends. But yeah. Who's no, Oh, yeah. Okay, not yeah. literally be friends. Yeah. I was going to say, that that would be bad. No matter how many cats and ice cream you gave them. <laughs> but yeah, Uzumaki is fantastic. And you can buy now these uh, giant three-in-one editions that will give you basically the entirety of the run. So definitely check it out if you like a little horror. Or want to piss yourself to sleep. It's good. All right. So I'm going to recommend... Um, I don't... I don't generally listen to D&D actual plays of any sort, because uh, I I don't know. You'd rather play D&D? I'd rather play. Yeah. And, like, so actual play is usually just sort of a methadone thing where it's like, oh, I can't get game. But I'm actually going to recommend... Um, so the uh, streaming team at Loading Ready Run does uh, have a... Ha- has a actual play series... And whenever Cam runs a game, it's great. So uh, I recommend... Uh, so Heat Death is his current thing, which is based on the Alien RPG, and he's doing a really cool job with it. Uh, much better than you'd think someone trying to run Alien, the RPG, would be. And I think the players are doing a good job of like nodding along with it and not just sort of skipping to the part where they, you know, burnt, light everything on fire. Um so they're not being D&D players, is what you're saying. They're they're actually doing a very good job of being like, oh, we found the room that's full of the Geiger shit. Uh, sorry, let's Geiger leave. shit. Yeah, the, let's continue to behave like we're investigating this thoroughly and not, like, meta-ing it too hard. Uh, his, um, he also did a series kind of uh, based on color out of space, but using AR games, and that was really good. I think the players kind of... The, the players were too smart about it, so it, it wasn't as much fun. I'm like, no, go down the hole. Actually go down and confront the weirdness. And die? Yes! yes. That's how you Cthulhu. Zenus lives down the well now. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jim. Well, since you set it up that way, I'm just going to cite Color Out of Space. The movie? Yes. Um, I got to see that. We watched it because it's not available technically in Canada yet, but we are on the internet, so you'll find a way if you want it. You can find it or you can wait, whichever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm probably actually going to wind up buying it once it comes out. I really enjoyed it. But no, we watched it a couple nights back. It is because Bob also did the review of it last week. And no, it's really good. Like it, it is, it's really well directed. It's really well shot. You're invested in the characters basically from jump. There's some nice little references and some nice bits of just storytelling tie up. Tommy Chong is surprisingly good in it because admittedly I'm used to him being just basically perma fried. 
So seeing him actually act even a little bit. Well, no one's asked him to since what, 1974? Give or take. So I'm assuming he's probably sobered up a bit. Nick Cage is. Nick Cage is some of his finest Nick Cage. It's not Mandy, which I still kind of hold up as peak Nick Cage. More so than Bad Lieutenant? Yes. Okay. I have to show you Mandy, dude. I know, but, but I'm like, Bad Lieutenant was like maximum Cage. So it's not driving, not drive angry Cage, because that's my favorite Cage. Yeah, but that's that's Nick Cage doing Steve McQueen, which was great. <laughs> yes, I'm not saying it's not, but but no, like he does a really good job of being the everyman in a situation he's clear nobody is equipped for in the best of cases, and he is really not equipped for. It was to the point where while we're watching it, I said at one point I would love to see. Tom Hanks versus Nick Cage in kind of an everyman movie. Because oh. Tom Hanks is, well, he's I'm the most thinking, everyman around. I'm but thinking he, some sort of like weird, like not necessarily remake of Grumpy Old Men, but something where it is just a feuding neighbors comedy. Yeah, I would watch that. I would actually really enjoy that. Because they both do everyman really well. It's just Tom Hanks is the friend, like there's a reason you cast him as Fred Rogers, for God's sake. And Nick Cage is the everyman who winds up in over his head. Actually thinking about it, Nick Cage would have been better in The Birds than Tom Hanks was. But that's... that's they should a do a remake. Do a remake of The Birds with Tom Hanks and Nick Cage. I would watch that. Actually, yeah, because then you cast Tom Hanks as the crazy neighbor yeah. and Nick Cage in the Tom Hanks role. Yes. But, no, like... When it comes out on a system that is available to you, watch it. If you want to watch it ahead of time, I would suggest it, but still support it. It is a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. I wound up reading Color Out of Space afterwards just because I hadn't read it in years, right? But no, really good. Chrissy. All right. Um, So I've got a couple of things on the go. Do you want me to spoil The Most Dangerous Place? Sure. I've seen it. Okay, so it is the Bangladesh Delta because of oh, cyclones, rising sea levels, and tigers. Well, tigers yeah. is important. Tigers do tigers. swim. Yes. Well, the tigers are getting aggressive because their environment is diminishing. Right? Yeah. And that comes yeah. up in Most Dangerous Animals Asia, where basically at this point, tigers aren't afraid of humans. Right? Do tigers ever, ever have a reason to be? Rifles. But at this point, they kind of don't give a fuck about rifles. Like, you shoot at one and he's going to be scared. There's a great scene in uh, Asia where you see a guy on an, like, on an elephant back with a rifle lining up a shot. Memory serves as a conservation officer, so it should be a dart. But he's lining up a shot with his rifle. And initially, you don't see the tiger. And then you see her coming through the grass. And she fucking leaps. Like, she's easily 15 feet away from him. She does full leap and takes his thigh with her claws, almost drags him off of the elephant. Two other people have to grab him. It is it is a harrowing fucking scene, and it's like, yeah, no, tigers don't give a shit anymore. We've eaten enough of their land that they're like, no, fuck it, you're a big monkey. It's time to eat monkey. Yeah, it, uh, who, who's the apex predator here again? <laughs> yeah, right? It's still us. We're still going to kill everything. 
tigers they're noble creatures and i really think we should do what nico case suggested at one of her conference uh, one of her content uh concerts which is to feed children to tigers i mean she's not that's, entirely that that is kind of a jonathan swift answer to the problem <laughs> it is especially if she did specify irish children no she didn't oh, she was okay. talking it, she was talking she has a song and uh it's about a tiger it's being about, trapped in a cage. Yeah, and how it like basically loses its mind because it's in captivity. Yeah. And uh, you know, like people are like, oh, they shot it and stuff, and she's like, you know, tigers are noble and humans are dumb. are messy and we should just <laughs> eat children. You know, yeah. Both just, are feral. Give the yeah. kid a sharpened rock, put him in a tiger cage, let nature take its course. Sure. Yeah, it's off of uh, the Tigers, the songs the Tigers have spoken. Yeah. Man, this is wild. I'm looking at the liner notes. Like, remember when we bought, like, physical CDs? My God. We bought some last year before before That Sunrise album closed, is so and good, And I got really though. disappointed. I, I still buy the odd album. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just like, wow, that's wild. Okay. Um, so, sidetracked by Tigers. <laughs> Which is a fair thing to be sidetracked on. Sidetracked um, by Tigers, band or album? Album. <laughs> no, it it's a band. Their album names are much more bland. Like their album names are going to be like Yesterday's Uranus, <laughs> or no, or just like Album One, or just uh, the color of the uh, the actual album. Yeah. Purple. I guess so. Last week, I video chatted with a friend, and we watched um, Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner on Netflix. We watched two of the episodes. So the idea is, it's basically uh, David Chang, who's the chef for uh, Momofuku, and he's meeting up with friends of his, and they're going around and eating food in different cities. So the first episode was they went to Vancouver and it's David and Seth Rogen. Oh God. And they get high. Like they get high and they're going to all these different places. Um, There's an episode with Lena Waithe in Los Angeles, Uh, Kate McKinnon and uh, where was the Kate McKinnon episode? It kind of sounds like the layover, the Anthony Bourdain show. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, Oh, they're in Vietnam with Kate McKinnon hmm. and uh, Marrakesh with Chrissy Teigen. And it's like the thing I love about it is they're just they're sitting around and they're talking and they're eating food. So like when we can travel again, like th- there is this um, bowling alley in one of the areas surrounding Los Angeles that has like the most delicious looking food. And I'm like, I am going there and I am eating all the food. And it's basically like David and whichever celebrity is with, they get breakfast, lunch, and dinner together as they travel around and talk about it. And I was just like, yo, I need this in my life. So wings, wings, and wings. Uh, Yeah. You know, with with the staff of wings, not not Paul McCartney, the other guys. No, No, exactly. But, oh god, and, no! I'm not spending time with Paul McCartney. You crazy? <laughs> yeah, don't need to spend time with that guy. No, and you probably wouldn't be eating wings with Paul McCartney because isn't he still vegan? 
Yeah, oh, probably. Yeah. He, he'd be that guy that orders the fried cauliflower and insists it's just as good. No, it's not. And I'm allergic to cauliflower. I'm allergic to everything that doesn't bleed and came from the sea. So he wants to tell me, no, you need to eat fried cauliflower. I will eat a deep fried cow, thank you. The entire cow. Cough up the bones later. No, and, I'll digest the bones. Uh, like, well, in Vancouver, they got a whole bunch of dim sum. Ooh. And I was just like, oh, like, this is basically like my, this show is like adding to my bucket list of places I want to go and eat. And it's funny because like David Chang doesn't get recognized that much. Like he gets recognized by some people. Um, and like even the celebs don't get recognized as much because they're going kind of in areas where they're not normally seen, except for Seth Rogen. But well, Seth Rogen so is known everywhere as part of his problem. Yeah. Well, he gets high and staggers around town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it, kind it, of this sick. is just Vancouver life. It's like, hey, I saw I saw Seth Rogen. He was high. Okay, my uh, my next pick is Animal Crossing: New Horizons, because as depressing as you know being in quarantine is, getting away on a desert island, you know, and hanging out with friends is a lot of fun. I mostly just send inappropriate gifts to friends through the little mail. It might just say the words like "gift" in all caps, and then they get something really stupid like "baby blocks" or coconut beverages. Nick has yelled at me. My, my dear friend Nick has yelled at me on numerous occasions in that I don't send him anything useful. Is the point to send something useful? That's what I said to him. Like, I just want to send you crap. Allow me what to send you crap. What are you going to send crap. him? Something to keep the raccoon leg breaker at bay? Come on. <laughs> I know, right? Fucking Tom Nook. He's such a crook. I'm at the Shouldn't stage. Should have borrowed from him. I'm at the stage now where I have this slightly bigger house. And I have now, like, I have new residents on my island, which is so exciting. Um, I love when people hijack your game and they come to visit you because it's always fun to see like what people name their islands and what their characters are. I came to realize that like nobody goes to my stupid levels because my island's the Booger Island. And here I assumed you had named it Butts. <laughs> <laughs> Douchebag? Question mark? Yeah. Dildo three exclamation points. Look, my favorite thing ever is the amount of people who jump into my game and they're like, Booger Island? What the fuck? Right? And then that's the first thing. It's like, why'd you call it Booger? I'm like, it's, it's a green not island. Real. It's a green island. Looks like I your just, bugs. I, I love the screen cap that Becky shared of all the people that left her messages and they all drew pictures of Kitty. Except Sam drew a picture of herself sleeping in the bed and she's like, I sleep in your bed. <laughs> yes, I may have done that to my friend Becky. She then reciprocated the favor later, and there's a picture of her character sleeping in my bed. So now we're even, Becky Cunningham. We're even. Until the bears show up. Probably. I mean, the next time I get to go to Sherwood Island, we'll see how else I can ruin it for people. It'll be great. Oh, God. Uh, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> thinking Cause about cause thinking, Animal Crossing. Thinking about Tom Nook. That it is fair to lose all train of thought when dealing with that lunatic. He's kind of a prick. Wants you to buy all the Nook Inc. branded crapola. It's like if Ikea also could own real estate. More than they do? I mean, like, own your real estate. If Ikea so if was Ikea was a bank. If Ikea was your landlord. Those are dark times. You'd be paying in Allen Keys. <laughs> That sounds right. And those stupid little like 
quarter inch long dowels. Yep. Which we had to get more of. Yeah, that was a pain in the ass. Never again. You know, Scott, you need to make a pick that is not laughing about Tom Nook. Yeah, I know. Or uh, how I sleep in other people's Animal Crossing beds. Weirdo. <laughs> why, do they even allow, why would the game even allow that? Animal Crossing, it allows a lot of things. Apparently there was a bunch of people who were supposed to have a wedding, and they decided to have their wedding in Animal Crossing because of COVID. It was kind of darling. That is, no, that's, that's friggin' weird. That's pretty there's, sad. There's a whole bunch of people in that's Japan like where they had a graduation ceremony in Minecraft. That, wow. Just, let's dig that hole. <laughs> Shut up, Jim. People are trying to find ways. I am waiting to be informed that there was a confirmation done in EverQuest Online. <laughs> there probably was! <laughs> or a briss in Second Life. <laughs> Oh, no, I guarantee there's been brisses in Second Life. I guarantee it. Oh, Nobody yeah. wants to see them because we're all catastrophically uncomfortable about the idea that Second Life still exists. Also true. If anything, I think we should all have our bar mitzvahs in, world, in the world of Warcraft. That's fair. All of I, us, let's all get bar mitzvah. No. I'm good. That part I'm opposed why does no one want to get bar mitzvah? Because I'm not Jewish. I was going to say, not Jewish. And I'm not sure what that would do. <laughs> like, I don't I'm not a real man. But no, does that like apply a template? I am 37. Does that apply a template to me? Is there a feat modifier I need to deal with? Like, what are the mechanics of a bar mitzvah? Oh, God. Scott, does Batman get thing. a bat mitzvah? Does that change who Batman is? Listen, if you want to be a real man, all you have to do is have a pork bun. Exactly. (laughs) And that does not apply a modifier in any permanent context, merely a plus two to stats for a time. Yes. Fairly straightforward. Really easy to deal with. All right. So I'm going to recommend William Gibson. He's got a new novel out. It's it's that thing where... It, it's that thing William Gibson does where the trilogies connect but don't but don't necessarily share plot. So it is the sequel to uh, Peripheral, but it's called Agency. It is about um, well, it is about a beta tester for an app and the virtual assistant she's beta testing having a Thelma and Louise adventure. Does the virtual assistant drive her off a cliff at the end? I haven't gotten to the end, but if if Eunice, come on, but if Eunice takes over the uh, self-driving electric car and takes them off a cliff at the end, I'm on board. I am yeah, down right? for that. Oh, I could totally see it if the virtual assistant was Clippy. Oh. Like they would be going over that cliff. Are you sure you want to drive to your death? I Please see. Yes I see. No. You're looking to careen from a large height. Can I assist you with that? What Microsoft is missing the ball by not having Clippy return as the smart assistant built in to Windows right now. You can't turn it off. It's always there. And anything with audio means it's listening. Hey, Cartana, why aren't you Clippy? Because Halo. Actually, let's remake Halo, but instead of Cortana, it's Clippy. It's Clippy? Yes. No, I'm... Well, no, but the problem there is if you do that, 
Clippy's going to replace Master Chief about 60% of the way through and reveal to be the real hero in this. Do you really want to give Clippy that much credit? If they've done it properly, we get to play as Clippy for the last stage. Yes. Yeah, right? Acceptable answer. Yes, that's what I've got. Jim? Jim. Hmm. I'm assuming Jeff is still... Yeah, Je- Jeff is lost to the ether. Of the grocery Jeff is store? still trapped in the discordant spiderweb of social distancing? Yes. Um, well, speaking of dangerous smart tech, we also watched the new Child's Play. Oh, there and you go. Yeah, it's... Murder Furbies, let's go. Well, it's not bad. Like, Mark does his finest, his finest not Joker. Like, he is just the right level of creepy for that voice the entire time. And it's, it's Mark Hamill, right? Like, it's, he's always going to carry it. The first act is kind of weak in that the first act, I feel like they didn't quite know what they wanted to do. Like, Audrey Plaza's got some really weird exchanges in the first act that make it feel more like it should have been a comedy. And the first act, could have been the start to a boy and his robot because Andy in this is deaf in one ear, so he's got like a hearing device. And the Chucky he gets is broken. So they're both they're both not quite running full specs here. And that's that's a good boy and his robot, you know, boy and his dog kind of premise. You know, hey, we're different, but we're not actually that different. We're we're like just the first our own act people. Of Bumblebee? Yeah, kind of. And and then basically once you hit the second and the third act, they start to push more properly into the more standard horror cinema. Um, they don't go full on for the kills. Like a lot of the kills take place kind of off screen. They'll cut it right before it. Are, but some of the proper work in it is pretty good. Were they trying to get good. this on TV? <laughs> no, I think, I feel like honestly it was a prop budget thing. Because like if you want to saw a man's leg off with a table saw in full view, you need the props for that. And that might have been a budgetary concern. And I wouldn't fault them for it. Yeah. But no, overall, it was it was all right. It's not as it's not as good as the original Child's Play. I think probably the thing that hurts it the most is the fact that Child's Play is in its name. And I know why there's there's an extended kind of nightmare history with regards to who owns the copyrights to Chucky, who owns the copyrights to Child's Play. How does it relate to the voodoo doll versus this tech version we have now? That sort of thing. It's a, it's a big mess. You can find kind of the rundown of it online. The original but, ghost is Ghostbusters versus the real Ghostbusters. Exactly. Oh, but Filmation presents Ghostbusters. That was it. Yeah. But like if they had called it something else and it was simply murderous doll with a tech bent, I think it might have actually carried a little bit more. Well, if you've seen the Talkie Tina episode of uh, Twilight Zone. Yeah. God. So I just found out that they got the actress who did, like, the first talking doll actress was also the voice for that episode of Twilight Zone. And I'm like, bravo. Yeah. Back in the day, they did not, like, if they were going to run a bit, they were going to run it well. But no, in general, it's, it was, it was pretty good. If, if you're in the mood for something that isn't the strongest of horror, but it's still pretty good to watch, eh, give it a shot. And I mean, it's up on probably any number of things now it's been out for a while i'm, I'm sure shutter has it by now oh guaranteed guaranteed I'm this close to i might throw some money at to at least try the uh show factory uh tokusatsu streaming service 
<gasps> that could be amusing. Well, I just kind of want to watch some recent Common Rider because everyone's like, Common Rider got good this decade. Uh, so we'll see. Really? Yeah, apparently, like, Common Rider, I forget which one. It was like one of the anniversary runs, ones where it was just like, yeah, it's the anniversary, but we're kind of doing this on the cheap because the theme is like, oh, Kamen Rider just changes colors because he's kind of Mega Man and he's stealing. <laughs> like he's he's Mega Man, so he's stealing powers from monsters he beat up two weeks ago. So it's just him in the set in different colors of outfit the whole year. But it's it's it, it, it was good. And then since then, they've kept up that quality while also still being on the cheap side compared to the other Sentai series. But again, well, like for one month, give it a shot. Yeah, right. Like, what are you down? Free trial, right? No. Chrissy. Oh, gosh. When you were talking about Child's Play, I was thinking about um, when it actually came out in theaters. I had students trying to tell me it was a ripoff of this episode from R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour. And I was like, no, 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 child. No, 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 children. Oh. No, no, no. So they're like, no. So then one day, I don't even know. It was like the last day before the break. They're like, come on, miss. Let's watch it and you'll see. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And I'm like, the R.L. Stein one is about the, a doll that like takes your place. You get a doll that looks exactly like you. So it's the changeling. Yeah. It's yeah. a talpa, but worse. Yeah, and I'm just like, no, children, no. And they're they're just like, no, miss, no. And I was like, you believe what you want. It's clearly wrong what you believe, but believe it. Like if any if if anything, R.L. Stein is ripping off Chucky with those like five living dummy books he did. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did it went to like seven, didn't he? Yep. I, it's there's a, a million. Look, Goosebumps it's, still has staying power believe it or not he wrote 400 of them and they yeah anything popular got a sequel or then nine. he was allowed to write adult fiction in the last couple of years who'd thunk it that's yeah. hmm. did they did they ever do an epic rap battles with rl stein no not yet i think rl stein versus joe rowling needs to happen oh oh god i am on board for that but that would be atrocious <laughs> yeah yeah um I don't know, like, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently because it's nice just, like, to have voices on in the background while I'm going about doing, like, cleaning or whatnot. So the Call Your Girlfriend podcast, like, I mean, this podcast would not, would be my number one rec. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously. But the Plug Call the show. Your, plug yeah, the show. Plug the show. Um the, We're sponsored the by Humble Monthly. Now oh, call God. Humble Choice. <laughs> yeah. Visit the link in the Ooh. description to uh, start your uh, to begin collecting your trove. They're yours for life, and or you get to choose from a collection a of ten games every. Uh, get a collection from ten games every month. And that or, was the call to action, folks. We're not doing another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Call Your Girlfriend podcast. Uh, so it's a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. Which I uh, was the physical distancing. We're all long distance besties. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, I just been really like, I went because Sam and I went and saw their live show back in what September. Yeah, it was so yeah, good. so good. I love the one of the bits that they have that I really like is about uh, scammers 
and how scams are really structural and how like society has been set up that to make it really easy for scam scammers to exist and like we have different reactions to different scams whereas there's a lot of scams that just go unnoticed uh, and back in September, they were on about the scam Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Right, and I was like, "Yeah, that's fair." But yeah, and just like podcasts in general, like I, the another one that I really like is the Adventure Zone. So that one started out as a Let's Play D and D podcast, um, and like the really early episodes of it are rough. Um, but then after they finished their D&D campaign, they started playing, exploring different systems. And that's how I discovered the Monster of the Week RPG, which has like, a, I, fi- I find it has a really easy system to use and uh, it's designed so that it's like episodic. So you can like accomplish what you need to in like a two hour session. And, so, and then you can be like, okay, that's, that's our Monster of the Week session this week. Next time we'll take on a different monster. Fabulous. We still need to try that. Yeah. Did I send you guys the, the info on it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that one it's just it's so much fun. It's delightful. And you get to be like different cliches. All for adorable cliches. All right. We go one more time, Scott? Yeah, let's do one more, Sam. Okay, so my last sort of pick is I had the pleasure of watching Ip Man 2 yesterday. I was in the mood for some kung fu fun. And I have, like, the biggest crush on Donnie Yen. That's not a surprise. Scott knows this. Um, But I really like that as a sequel to the first movie. Um, This one kind of has to deal with Hong Kong in the 1950s, where uh, obviously the British are there. They're doing underground boxing matches. They insult the integrity of Kung Fu and Donnie Yen is having fucking none of it. And like the fight scenes in this particular one, I think are just as good as the first film. There's a particular one that I like where it's Donnie Yen and one of the other Kung Fu masters and they're having a fight um, on tables and chairs and the tables and chairs are constantly getting flipped around because they're doing like fancy footwork and stuff. And oh my God, it's well, so fantastic. Hitman Man 2 was the one directed by Sam O. Hung. And that was Ooh. end of his... And yeah. Sam O. Hung's kind of at the end of was pretty much at the end of his career at that point i think he i think every time he comes back it's like i'm retiring with this one <laughs> sam hung's gonna work till he's dead but so sam hung is consistently always trying to pull out the stops when he does direct something no and that, that fight scene is like one of the most gorgeous you'll see in that film on top of the last fight between um ip man versus the twister who's the british boxer who is just a fucking douchebag um it's a really good film. Like, again, it's a great sequel to an already really great film. Uh, I loved it. And now I'm going to move on to Ip Man 3, which I think is the one that has Mike Tyson in it. Oh, God. Yeah. Why? I have no idea. And that's why I want to watch it. Because this is the one that's set in America. Yes. Because every Ip Man is uh, some foreigner is down on the Kung Fu. And Ip Man has to punch him real good There's also to adorable, show how good Kung Fu is. But the last scene of Ip Man 2 has Bruce Lee. I feel Bruce like Lee. that is a questionable system of merit. But there was like tiny Bruce Lee at the end. It was really cute. And like tiny Bruce Lee, it makes me want to watch some Bruce Lee movies, which I don't think we own any. 
Uh, we own zero Bruce Lee. But we have a giant pile of Jackie Chan kung fu movies. That is correct. They're harder to come by these days. I know, yeah. and I've been kind of sad about that. All right, Scott, your last uh, pick. All right, so uh, I'm going with the new DuckTales. I was waiting for you to say season that. Season two is on uh, the Disney Plus now. And so, uh, du- obviously, uh, new DuckTales is doing a great job of being better Doctor Who than Doctor, D- D- Doctor Who can be. Scott, tell everybody the thing you learned. What thing? About a certain duck. Oh, well, we, we just got to the episode where they reveal uh, Glomgold's new backstory, where he is, in fact, a... Not Scottish? He's not Scottish, and he's... What? Out, yeah, he's out to get Scrooge because he was... Well, so he was working as a shoeshine boy in Johannesburg, and Scrooge gave him a dime so that in the hopes of teaching him the same lesson he learned when he was a shoeshine boy and got a dime. Uh, except uh, the young not Glomgold takes a completely wrong pickpocket Scrooge and vows to become a better billionaire Scotsman than Scrooge could ever be. <laughs> thus leading to, you know, his career of, you know, uh, strapping bombs to sharks and luring Scrooge to volcanoes. Proving that he really doesn't understand what it means to be a Scotsman? Yeah. No no true Scotsman straps bombs to sharks. No. For revenge. That's a waste of a perfectly good bomb and a perfectly good shark. Uh, season two also has the Christmas episode, which is the best thing. Because it they, they reveal that Scrooge hangs out with the was mistaken for a different Scrooge by the ghosts of Christmas press, present and Christmas yet to come. And so uh, as sort of a sorry for bothering you that one time, they just jump around to the greatest Christmas parties in history every year. I can dig it. Yeah. Is death still Pete? Uh, I don't think I don't think they pull the hood on him this time. But uh, Pat, uh, Pat is still Jiminy Cricket. That's fair. Jiminy That's Cricket fair. is voiced by uh, Kenneth from 30 Rock. Hmm. All right, Jim. Hmm. I'm making the same face that my Google profile right now. We are all your Google profile, Jim. That's that is weird. We are not. We are not <laughs> Legion. Um, actually, speaking of Legion, third season of Castlevania. There third season of Castlevania. It's not as good as the previous two. It's the weakest of the three, but it's also an in-betweener season. That much is really clear. Like it's it is setting up for whatever is going to happen in season four, because season two finished Castlevania three, and. Apparently, we're going to do Curse of Darkness from the looks of it, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just wondering why they don't just skip to that. Because I think Ellis has ideas is yeah. all it is. Like, I think Warren sat there and went, no, there's there is meat still on this bone. Like, there's, there's stuff here that I can tissue, work with. I guess. Yeah. And and he does it like it's saying it's the weakest of the three is the same as saying Jedi is the weakest of the original trilogy. This is still a good season. It's still a lot of character development. Fairly interesting. It's got weak points in some of its fight choreography. 
Like there was a couple scenes that I watched and the animation gets bad. Basically, the last episode, really, they flooded the animation budget for the fight. And I think that's why some of the earlier smaller battles are a little weaker. But it was stuff where I'm watching it. And it's like, no, if I was directing this, I'd have rotoscoped it. I'd have been like, no, 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 no. And that's ignoring my usual affection for rotoscoping. It's just it's the way it kind of melts and blurs. Like, no, let's get some let's throw just a want ad out there for anybody that's willing to throw down for a fight scene. Come in, let them go to blows for a bit, and then draw on the top of it to clean this up. But no, overall we get hey, we mean, get some nice. There's there's a case to be made for using source to for basic basically commissioning your own source material. Yeah. For for uh, referencing, but I yeah I don't know I don't know necessarily know if you want to rotoscope, especially if you're going more stylized. And that's fair. And that's fair. But no, in general, like we build up. We build more on uh, Trevor and Sif's relationship, which is nice. We kind of, Alucard kind of gets his own C-plot for some reason, but it's actually still pretty good on its own. Um, St. Germain is in this season, and that's ridiculous if you're a Castlevania fan. But if you're not, he's still just about the most interesting character in the season because he's clearly the guy who knows too much, but still not enough to get out of the scenario. All in all, no, it's it's a good season. If you're a fan of Castlevania the games, watch it. If you're not a fan of Castlevania the games, but you've watched any of the either any, either season, take the time. If well, you've never watched any, what season, are you doing? Season two is just great. Like start yes. to finish. I don't even think you really need season one to enjoy it. No, well that season one well, season one was the test, right? Yeah. Will will we get enough viewership to validate the money you're asking for? And that's where season one sits nicely. It's build up. Like it looks like at this point, it kind of feels like the odd seasons are just going to be build up for the even seasons because everything that's set up by the end of season three is going to make season four absolutely outstanding. Yeah. And again, just the, just the interplay and the voice actors is great on the show. Oh yeah. And the writing is impeccable, but that's, that almost goes without saying. Yeah. I it's, it's Warren Ellis. You let Warren Ellis sit in his sandbox and play by himself, and he creates great stories. Especially if it's something that he can kind of use somebody else's toys without really worrying about it. Like, Extremis was a great story. There are other things he's done for Marvel that I want to smack him and Marvel Editorial for. But that's a different episode. Yeah. All right, Chrissy, your last call. Last call. Jeez, so much pressure. Um, I'm going with Killing Eve. I want I find, to watch like, that. Oh, so good. Like Sandra O. Oh, I'm just like, yes. Um, so actually, no, you know what? I'm changing, I'm changing my recommendation. Uh, it's not gonna be just Killing Eve, it's gonna be just Sandra O's library of work, except for Grey's Anatomy. She was the best thing about Grey's Anatomy. Well, she Sandra was the best. Sandra O bought her a house. Uh, that bought Sandra O a very nice house. Yes. True. But um, so yeah, like um, CBC Gem is now streaming uh, the Don McKellar Sandra O last night, which is amazing. Just amazing. It's everybody knows when the world is going to end, and so it's like the last day. And so what are you doing with your last day before the world ends? Wonderful. A podcast. Yes. Yes. Podcasting it is. Well, David Cronenberg's calling like 
all the hydro customers thanking them for their service and letting them know they're not going to turn their power off. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, David Cronenberg, why? Go home, be with your family. Um, But yeah, so Killing Eve is just awesome and found out that season three premiere got moved up two weeks. So we only have to wait till April 12th for season three to be on, which gives you plenty of time to watch the first two seasons, Sam. before season three um and i just love like because sandra O is like it starts off she's an american married to a british guy working for mi5 and she's kind of bored because she's an assistant and so she has like an interest in female serial killers so on the side she's been following these different murders and she's basically attributed them all to this one female serial killer and everyone's just like, nah, nah, you're, th- no, no female serial killers, nah, like, believe the party line kind of thing. And stuff goes sideways. Sandra O oh is right. I'm just like, how could you doubt Sandra O? Oh? Well, there, it's Eve Palaster, but like, how? How can you doubt her? And it's all about, like, the the relationship that develops between her and the serial killer and Villanelle. And like, there's definitely like the the Hannibal Hannibal kind of vibe, like between Hannibal and Will, but between Eve and Villanelle, and it's just really good spy, like double triple crossing going on, and yeah, highly recommend it. We got one to do, Scott, and it does it does for fashion what the Hannibal TV series did for food. The... Also made out of people every time. No, these ones aren't made out of people, but it's people wearing the fashions, and it's like really nice, high fashion, and it's just like fashion porn instead of food porn. The fake food in Hannibal was beautiful and disturbing because it was corpses. Soylent Green is made of people. Soylent Green's made of people. I don't think people would have minded if it wasn't mush. It's true. I mean, if it was like the food in Hannibal, yeah, then it would be like, yo, like people would be like, well, I didn't know him, so what's the problem? Yeah, sounds legit. I mean, yeah, I think if it, well, honestly, all the food comes in weird cracker form. Yeah, so it's just like it. I think. So the idea of Soylent Green being more popular, even though it's just a green cracker, that's that's not going to fly, man. Now, if it was if it was some kind of not new new Coke, then maybe. Yeah. Homer, are you holding two cans in the, between the vending machines? Maybe. <laughs> Sir, uh, are you just holding the cans? What's your point? <laughs> Mm, invisible cola. Oh, that's making me think of the Treehouse of Horror episode where they have to get a new meat source for the school cafeteria. Oh god, that one was so weird. What? Just where do you even get a meat grinder that big? They ate Hooter. <laughs> say Hooter's with us all right now. Uh, how to cook for forty humans. All right, I think we're good here. Over a hot stove.
All right, we're good here. Have a good day, everybody. Take Enjoy care out there, folks. Take safe. care. Uh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Thank you for listening. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. It was released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 4.0 international license. Visit sbopodcast.com for more episodes and hit us up on socials. Like, comment, share, subscribe, tell your friends. Anything's great. Have a good day.